The floss pick for this episode is um, actually a audience suggestion. Um, it's our first audience suggestion. And you can also submit your own audience suggestions. If there is something you do that you think everybody should do or something you do that you don't think anybody should do, go ahead and email it to us at uh, theflosspod at gmail.com. And it's uh, don't burn yourself to keep others warm, which uh, is something I've been seeing on the Internet since before Tumblr removed porn. It's. Uh, I feel like it's a very uh, stereotypical mental health phrase, you know, intended to guide people through their mental health journeys. Um, for those of you that have no brain, um, what that means is basically, you know, don't burn yourself out. Don't, you know, ruin your life uh, just to accommodate somebody else in your life. I feel like a lot of times this is related to, like, you know, sacrificing way more than you can handle for family, like for toxic family members. Um, you know, letting an in-law stay at your house even though they treat you like shit. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the common use of that phrase. And in reality, I think it's really just a, just a boundaries thing. Because the, uh, the burning yourself to keep others warm happens when you don't know how to say no. If you're just constantly saying yes to everybody's request, even if it's not like an actual favor, even if it's like a, a behavioral, you know, cognitive uh, lifestyle thing. Like I said, toxic family member, toxic boss, toxic workplace, uh, constantly accommodating others. For the, for the sake of accommodating them, and you're just, like, totally burning yourself out. I do this with my girlfriend's cat. <laughs> it fucking, it scratches me up, bites me, beats the shit out of me. Uh, but I, I, I let it, I let it use my body so it can be happy. I'm just a dirty, I'm just a dirty road, road slut that gets used by my girlfriend's cat for its own pleasure. Uh, but I actually like it, so it's not really burning myself. But it, like I said, it is a question of boundaries. And when it, when it comes to boundaries, n- just like everything else, nobody is going to set or enforce them for you. No one's going to do it for you. You have to do it yourself. So if somebody is behaving, if somebody's behavior makes you uncomfortable, you have to figure out why it makes you uncomfortable and then tell yourself that you don't want to be around that type of behavior. Set that boundary for yourself and then communicate that boundary. I know it sounds like a whole lot. It's really not though. Nobody like nobody's a mind reader. Like no, nobody nobody can read minds. Nobody knows what you're thinking or what makes you uncomfortable or if they're doing something that is making your life a living hell unless you communicate to, communicate it to them. And when you do communicate it to him, uh, that's pre- I feel like that's where your your responsibilities end. Like if you tell your your mom, like, hey, uh, if if you're gonna drink around me, I'm gonna remove myself from the situation. That's an actionable item. That is the the responsibility of yourself. How she re- how she responds to it is not your problem. 
she can either keep drinking and understand that you're going to leave the room every time she starts drinking, or if she wants to spend time with you, she can stop drinking. That's a decision she has to make, and you can't make it for her. You know, the, the more and more I, I you know, <laughs> when people say, and I, Jeremy, I know we've had this conversation a little bit before, but like as you get older, you get more conservative. Uh, I, I, I don't know if that's happening politically, but like the idea of individualism and uh, individualism and not have, not waiting for handouts um, and not complaining and waiting for somebody to do something for me is slowly setting in. Like as you get older, you truly realize that like nobody owes you anything and nobody is going to just give you anything because because like they assume like you have to do everything for yourself. You have to do everything for yourself like when you started this podcast studio jeremy nobody gave it like you had to do every every single thing in order to get this podcast studio every single thing you had to do yourself isn't that crazy nobody gave a shit about what jeremy was doing except for jeremy people didn't even understand what i was doing people did not even understand what you were doing i got a lot of uh oh you uh, you have a podcast studio what's your podcast mm-hmm Absolutely. And like I've so I've I've slowly started learning this too. You know, as I start to set my own not just career goals but life goals. You know, I have like three or four major things that I want to achieve in my life and I'm working towards them, but I don't share them with very many people. I only share them with people that I that know me or I think might understand. Also too, I mean, everybody has help with something. Like I think us saying that, uh, you know, you have to do everything for yourself or like, or like for lack of a better term, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, still a pretty like privileged stance to be taking. And what, what, what do you mean privileged? Because nobody does anything without help. That's true. And Saying that you're doing things without any help uh, is neglecting all, all the people who did help you. Like, I wouldn't be in this podcast studio had it not been for the older owner of the building offering the space up for me. So there's help right there. Uh, you know that I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I'm at today without Ashley helping posting me posting the episodes for me for the network. Uh, or John doing a lot of the graphic, John Bruton doing a lot of the graphic design for a lot of what I do. So I'm not, or you doing the social media pages. So, you know, I still have a lot of help, even though to get this rolling, sure, I put a lot of work individually into it, but I wasn't alone. You're right. And I'll amend my statement. Uh, nobody's going to help you unless you're helping yourself first. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Because I, all of those people, I, I think myself. Well, by the time I came in, you, you were. All, I mean, you already had like proof of concept, like you were doing it. But like all those people that helped you at the beginning, I, unless you like showed the initiative that you were gonna like, you know, their work wasn't gonna go to waste. Essentially, I don't. I think you might have had a much harder time doing it. Yeah, and getting John Bruton involved lent credibility to what I was doing. Definitely. 
Because otherwise, it's just kind of this weird kid coming around saying he's got a podcast studio, you know? Right. Definitely. Um, and and again, I think that applies to you know any anybody trying to do anything in life, professionally, personally, um, you know, for themselves. Uh, you got to help yourself first. Like honestly, just like you know, going to therapy to try to figure out what your boundaries might be. That therapist can only help you if you are actively trying to help yourself. You know, if if you if you are seeking a solution and showing that you're going like a therapist who offers you advice or gives you instructions on how you should be working on yourself, if you are not then not doing those, that therapist is going to I be less inclined to help you or might just drop you. Um honestly, I'm very grateful for the friends that I had growing up because well, one, they're they're great friends still friends to this day i'll know them for the rest of my life uh you know neighborhood friends we'd get into shit ride our bikes around town just like general hooligan shit for my entire life from like the time i could ride a bike through the time like i left home uh and still now growing up i i mean i love staying inside playing video games you know spending time with myself not really doing anything um, and they were constantly, constantly, constantly bugging me to come hang out, uh, come play basketball, you know, go fucking play in the woods. Again, this is like my entire, so like, you know, go out to bars, like the entire span of my life. I love spending time alone. Um, and for the, for the, a lot of the younger years of my life, like the teen years of my life, uh, I would make excuses as to why I couldn't go out. I think everybody has that friend who like blames other people for them not being able to do things, especially growing up like, Oh, my dad said I can't go out. Uh, I got to do chores. Um, you know, it's like, you know, et cetera. And my friends, you know, they saw through that really quickly and they would constantly say, okay, if you don't want to come hang out, literally just say, you don't want to come hang out. And then you don't have to come hang out. And now, and, that's 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 such a that's such a liberating thing. Um, and I, that's like what a boundary is. Like it literally just comes down to want. Like a, an arbitrary boundary, such as like I'm not gonna, I don't want to hang out in a room where anybody's wearing purple. Is a is like a weird boundary. Um, but if there is a genuine genuine reason that the color purple makes you uncomfortable and you don't want to experience that discomfort, that's literally a valid enough reason for you to not to have to do something. If you don't want to feel a certain way and something makes you feel a certain way, you don't have to do that thing. Now, there are, of course, consequences. There are always consequences to actions, good and bad. If you really want to be a fashion designer... But you don't want to, but you are uncomfortable and thus do not want to be in a room where people are wearing purple for some unexplained reason. And that's your boundary, and it's a valid boundary because it makes you uncomfortable. You're going to have a very difficult time being a fashion designer unless you can get started or start your own 
uh, company that excludes the use of purple. Uh, yeah, you can, one of my favorite Tom Segura jokes, and it wasn't even really a joke, was uh, you absolutely you have the you have the right to feel offended by anything that offends you. You have the right to express how you feel however you want. You do not have the right to expect anyone to do anything about it. Um, and I and I feel like that does go back to the individualism that uh, Jeremy, you and I were talking about just moments ago. And it, it it's it's such a like a complex web, uh, because, I mean, we'll just keep using the studio for an example. You also you also invested a lot of time, um, in relationships, and you know just in general being a good person and people and a person that people want to work with and a person that people want to help. Uh, so when you went to and approached them for help, they were more than happy to do it. Again, because you were also somebody that helps themselves. They knew their work wasn't going to waste. Jeremy's a trustworthy person. But if they were to have said no, for whatever reason, you would have had no choice but to respect that no and, and try to figure out another way. For sure, yeah. So I think that's that's the tricky thing about boundaries. You can set any boundaries you want for yourself. You can communicate those boundaries to the people that you need to communicate them to. Um, but once you enforce those boundaries, um, you can't control how anybody else reacts to them. Another thing I wanted to talk about in regards to this is how social media has, I think, tainted um, how we feel about social expectations and behavioral boundaries. Because for people that for at least people that use social media um and you know all social media to communicate things about their lives publicly and you know kind of be like an open book to the world i feel like the fact that uh and you know for for an example i'm going to use let's say let's say there's a family member like a crazy aunt uh, and I know I talk a lot about my own crazy aunt, but this is not that crazy aunt. I'm just saying there might be another crazy aunt that uh, is constantly upset that you're not updating her on your life because she because she gets updates on so many other people's lives on Facebook. So why aren't, why aren't I getting the same updates on your life from you? Like I feel like social media has. Uh, I has made some people feel entitled to know certain things about certain people, entitled to other people's lives. And on the flip side, I feel like it has made some people feel like they're obligated to express their lives to other people. I feel especially bad for Gen Z kids because they're almost expected to live their entire lives online, at least for the duration of middle school and high school. Um, social media got, I mean, social media was beginning to peak when I was in high school In college, it was pretty strong. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's like a lot of talk and like, there's a big idea that everybody is on social media, but in reality, like if I, if I opened my high school yearbook and I went down the list of people that like, I know what's going on, like Honestly, maybe maybe less than half of the people like are 
seriously active on social media. And even if they're not seriously active, like I might know that they have a girlfriend or boyfriend. And that's pretty much the only thing you learn from Instagram. Unless they started like unless they've started like creative endeavors, like, you know, I'm a comic, so people who follow me on Instagram know that. I know a few people from back in the day that are making music now. So they keep people updated on their business endeavors. Um, but I, I, I honestly don't think personal lives are as public as they are, except for Twitter. Twitter is a is a shithole of of mental illness, and uh, I don't want to say desperate needs for attention, but um, when people were isolated in during COVID, that's when Twitter like went fucking crazy because people had literally nobody else to talk to. But once you start getting more and more relationships and more active in your own real life, you realize how much of a shithole Twitter is. Um, And something I heard recently that made me kind of put this into perspective was um, language is how our brains process what's going on inside of it. The ability to write and communicate our problems is a huge uh, is a huge facility is a huge facilitator of whether or not we can become mentally healthy. It's it's a classic idea and it's a and it's a classic trope for obvious reasons. But anytime somebody's having a bad day or having a problem. In real life and in movies, talking about it makes it better. Letting it out makes it better. Even if you're not getting the solution out of it, at least instead of letting it swirl around in your head um, where you're constantly just piling up. Like let's say you had a really bad day at work um, and you think you messed up in front of your boss. And you go home and you have nobody at home to talk to. Uh, and it's just constantly, and the and the problem you experience work is just swirling around in your head. Um, you're just gonna think of ways to envision it worse and worse and worse than it really is. Um, if you had somebody to talk to and let it out, you could you could express uh, how you think you messed up at work and feel better about it just by letting it out. But then talking through it might, you know, bring you some more clarity and calm regarding the situation. But if the first thing you do is just hop on Twitter and tweet these negative thoughts to no response because it's a void for most people, it's just going to make it worse. You're not talking to anybody. But I feel like that's why people do it because that's the most communication they get is just sending something out into the void. Like that's that's at least an attempt to process something. But yeah, you got to talk. Uh you got to let it out. You can't just depend on social media on social media. You got to have you got to build relationships. Especially if you have especially if you have boundaries uh related to bad relationships. Like let's say uh you had a really bad experience with a guy who worked in worked at NASA. I don't fucking know. Uh and you had a really bad experience, you might set a boundary for yourself. Uh, say to yourself, I'm never going to get involved with another guy who worked at NASA. 
Now, any reasonable person would understand that not every single person at NASA is a good person. Not every single person at NASA is a bad person. But until you have an experience with somebody else at NASA that maybe makes your previous experience less less of a problem, like, oh, hey, maybe they're not all bad. Um, if that never happens, for the rest of your life, you're going to think every like everybody at NASA is a red flag unless you get out of your comfort zone and go try to fix it. So relational trauma can only be healed through relational trying, you know, getting back out into your comfort zone. Uh, when I first read this suggestion, I didn't re- I like didn't read it all the way through. It said don't burn yourself to keep others warm, but the first thing I only read was just don't burn yourself, which I thought was super awesome advice. Hey, don't burn yourself. Because that's burn, getting burned sucks. Um, but actually, I've recently learned a lot, of, a lot of things related to the just the hot stovetop uh, metaphor. That uh, might make might not make that the best advice, because sometimes you do want to burn yourself. Uh, and of course, I mean, you know, get out, getting out of your comfort zone is a good thing experiencing pain every once in a while is a good thing not for the stereotype not for the stereotypical reason of you know i want to experience pain just to feel alive um but because experiencing pain lets you know where you might need to set some personal boundaries but oh but med- medically uh pain is a good thing there is an entire population of people I can't remember. It was it was either an Asian or African country. I don't fucking remember. But there's an entire population of people. It's like a small town uh, where they where they don't feel pain. Also, I feel like it's weird that there are always like pockets of people that are just built differently. Like there's like an entire African tribe whose eyes, who every single person there's born who's born there, their eyes are like situated so that they can see underwater really well. Like that's crazy to me. Like that like I mean that that's how evolution works, but like it's just wild to me. But there, but all okay, so all these people in this area, uh they did not experience pain. They just couldn't feel pain. And um they actually I think their average lifespan was like 50 years old, not long at all. And it's pretty easy to guess why. If you can't experience pain and you don't know when anything hurts, you don't know when to go to the doctor. If you can't experience pain and you accidentally, like, stab yourself, you don't know that. I don't think many people were stabbing themselves, but you get the idea. Um, Pain is actually a really good thing for a lot of reasons for humans to, uh, for humans to feel. It was, it, pain is also stored in your memory. Your your brain remembers pain. Um, to back to the hot stovetop analogy, that pain is stored in an area of your brain that that's associated with memory to let you know to not to do that again. So as you get out of your comfort zone more and more, you're gonna find some things cause pain. I don't want to do that again. But I would say honestly, very little of those things cause pain. There is there is uh, such little downside to getting out of your comfort zone, 
other than just being uncomfortable. Like experiencing uncomfortability for even 30 seconds is is so unfathomable to so many people. But once you get more and more used to it, it's nothing. It's not to use a really easy example. I mean, you know, flirting with people, getting rejected sucks, but the more you do it, the less it hurts. That's getting out of your comfort zone, experiencing some uncomfortability, some pain, um, and getting more and more used to it. You could get used to touching a hot, a hot stovetop. You could get like you could build up a resistance to that, like physically, maybe even mentally. But like you choose not to because you don't get it. You don't actually get anything out of that. But getting com- getting used to being uncomfortable in social situations, you do get stuff out of that. You do you do gain some confidence out of that. Um, I've personally been experiencing pain for the last like three weeks now. I'm a he- I got some new shoes like three weeks ago, and I put those bitches on without any duct tape or anything on my heels. Took one walk, came back, my heels were fucking destroyed, absolutely ruined. Uh, oh, so bad, and like. Every single time I get a new pair of shoes and I get blisters, I try to remind myself. I, I like make a note in my notepad. Hey, next time you get new shoes, remember to put duct tape on your heels before you break them in. Uh, but I never remember because I don't buy shoes that frequently. Um, so that memory isn't stored very strongly in my brain. But uh, However, I did get two pairs of these shoes. So when I go and break in the second pair... I should remember because they're the exact same pair. It should, you know, very clearly in my head re- remind me, hey, last time you wore these type of shoes, you fucked up your heels. I get blisters. I got blisters. Every time I got a new pair of cleats, I get blisters. Um, and I always, but like it never stops me from, uh, mainly in college when I would get new cleats and it never stopped me from going to practice every day. So like the blisters would not heal forever. And that's what's happening here. Uh, I've gone through like six packets of band-aids now, like the nice, big, expensive band-aids, the tough band-aids. Those are the good band-aids. There are so many band-aids. I hate picking out band-aids because I can never, I've saved the box of the ones I got now because I like them. But before this last trip, I can never remember which band-aids were the good band-aids. I can never remember. I ran, I had the, you know, I had to go get band-aids and Neosporin with the blisters, which sucked. Um, and I was looking up the history of Neosporin is actually really, it's essentially just petroleum jelly with antibiotics in it. Um, but the way they figured out, let me back up. It works because when you have an open wound, uh, the petroleum jelly acts as like a, as a protective layer. It's just a protective layer. It acts as skin to let it heal. Um, but it was really cool how they found this out. I haven't verified this. I read this on like Reddit or some shit. Uh, coal miners used to get like used to get like wounds and shit, you know, just like scratches and cuts and stuff. Um, but they would get oil on the cuts, and they noticed it healed really fast when they had like when they were like super like they were healing way faster than other cuts. And that's how they figured out that uh, petroleum jelly was good for wounds. So uh, don't burn yourself to keep others warm, but don't be afraid to burn yourself. Floss picks are bonus episodes in which I tell you about my personal do's and don'ts. 
If you like them, you can get exclusive Floss Picks by subscribing to the show's Patreon at patreon.com slash theflosspod. If you like the show and you listen on a streaming platform that lets you follow the show, go ahead and follow it. And if you can leave a review or a rating, please do it. It helps the show out a whole bunch, and I greatly appreciate it. I'm Gabe Gary, and thank you very much.